Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Ian Smith. He's the founder and MD of uh, Fisher Smith. We're going to be talking about machine vision. Um, He's been with Fisher Smith for 15 years and um, he's a machine vision specialist and software engineer. So um, again, machine vision, um, I'm used to hearing stories of, is it a cat? Is it not a cat type of thing? But I'm sure it goes way beyond that. So, Ian, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Richard. How are you? Yeah, good. So, so you're not working on seeing if something's a cat or not. I'm sure you're doing much better things. What, what are you doing in the world of machine vision? Well, it's it's certainly different. So, really, my focus in machine vision is on the industrial side of things. So, very rarely in industrial settings are we looking for cats and dogs. Well, maybe apples and pears if you're trying to sort sort fruit out in a sort of a a uh, agricultural industrial environment but more than likely we're looking at things that are in a manufactured environment um things that are being made on production lines widgets bits of plastic medical devices um consumable products automotive products uh, consumer tech almost anything that is mass manufactured there could be an application for machine vision in that area. So what, you know, what are some examples? Like, What do people need to use machine vision to figure out? Is a part uh, shaped properly or like what, what are some of the applications? Exactly. So the most common ones we see are for a quality control um, type of application. So this is where you're making thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of the same objects. So this could be Coke bottle caps. It could be some pharmaceutical drug or pill, um, something where you need every single one to check: is it complete? Has it been made correctly? Has it got the right logo on it or the right text or information? Is it the right shape or size? So, automotives are a big area where quality is is a, a driving force because the car manufacturers want to make sure that every car they produce is right. It's right first time and it's super reliable. And you do that by making sure all the individual components that make up that car are to the specification they've been designed. So even down to the very basics of a a nut or a screw, if that screw gets to the production line and the guy's doing the assembly and he goes to tighten it into place and it doesn't have a thread on it or it's the wrong length or it's the wrong size, that's now downtime. So to have all those products checked ahead of that so that they know what they're getting is going to be right first time every time. And often a way of doing that is to use machine vision, use camera technology to, to achieve that. Well, it seems like, uh, I don't know, once you know what a, a, an object is supposed to look like, I mean, is it is it difficult to, uh, we can't like, I, I don't know, you don't, it seems like you don't have to tolerate much deviation, but maybe, um, I don't know if you have a camera looking at a conveyor belt and you have the same object, but maybe it's in different orientations. Maybe that makes it harder. Like, wait, what makes this difficult to do? 
So a, a number of a number of things. So one is, as you say, presentation of the parts. So if the parts are coming jumbled up, they're all on top of each other, overlapping, and you're trying to look for, say, a surface scratch or a blemish or a defect. If you can't see the surface that you're trying to check, you you can't validate it. So some aspect of it, you, we need the automation, the general automation around to make sure that the products are presented reliably to the camera so that we can always see the areas we need to see. And depending on what the product is, that could be something really obvious. You think, well, why would you need a camera to, to look for that? Some things might be so small or so subtle or so minute that actually a human is really unreliable about detecting such a small defect wherever it may may occur. So we see some things where the the drive to use machine vision is because even though a, a, a fault is fairly obvious, um, if you put a human inspecting it, they'll catch it most of the time. But the time they switch off or they didn't have their morning coffee or they're talking to their friend and they let one go past. Oh, it didn't matter. I didn't, didn't didn't catch that one quite quite right. Then a defect gets through and, OK, the product may fail in operation or it may just look bad. But we're talking about, you know, big companies, brand images that they don't want to see their logo mispresented. They don't want to see a big dark mark on a um the side of a, a bottle or a beverage um because people look oh there's something in there it's dirty well, it might not be it's just a bit of a an anomaly in the in the packaging material but the consumer looks at that and thinks well i'm not going to buy that one because it looks like it's got something inside of it mm. so that can be a, a reason to to sort of utilize vision as a technology um and you know what makes it hard is when you've got 10 bottles a second whizzing along a production line being filled with whatever your favorite drink is then a human just can't keep up with that that line rate that that speed whereas a camera can take an image inspect that image and give a result back for the automation to knock it into a reject shoot or on to, you know away from the from from the good production without interrupting the the speed of the line so high speed manufacturing you know it is is one of the key areas because the vision is fast you, know, you can take okay. a, uh, you can acquire an image and inspect it in you know less than a tenth of a second sometimes even faster oh, wow. depending depending on your processing so it's a you know a very different um environment to to yeah is it a cat or is it is it a well, dog yeah it's totally different but okay i see some of the challenges you know what i'm, I'm envisioning is um pun intended I, I don't know i guess i keep envisioning um if a part comes down on you know, an assembly line, let's say, wouldn't you have to have something that turns the object, at least so you could see all the faces or a few sides to get a much better idea of defects? Like looking at it one way, I, I can't see how you'd get enough information, especially about internal features or stuff on the backside, let's say. Yeah, so some of that is absolutely true. Um, and where whereas some of it, these machines are put together with pragmatic choices being made about what gets inspected what fault types are we likely to see we know what the manufacturing process for these parts is are we likely to get a fault on the inside maybe not so for instance with plastics where you've you've got a, a, a mold that you're injecting hot plastic into and it's filling that mold there are certain areas of that where 
it's almost impossible for the plastic not to go in that area because it's got to go through that area to get to the other bits of the of the mold so then you tend to focus on the areas where they're at the extremity where if not enough plastic goes into that mold it won't quite reach that little bit that's sticking out at the end so let's check just that bit sticking out of the end because that will tell us if that's not there then the whole part's bad we don't need to look further up the, the product we might not need to look inside of it on the other side to, to to check on that defect so yeah some of it you physically can't see some of it you might have to get around that by having multiple cameras looking at all the sides as it goes past sometimes you need to pick that part up with a robot or some sort of handling device and actually move it around and manipulate it so the camera can get lots of views so well, what if you yeah, send something through one camera and flip it send it through another camera flip it again another camera and do it that way so you can keep high speed and throughput but get you know let's say at least four looks at it yeah absolutely yeah um that that's that's one of the techniques we often we often use it tends to just come down to a you know every time you you say flip that object it takes some handling time so have you got the the does your process allow you to do that um and you know is there budget to have a camera at each one of those inspections or does the customer make a choice on i'm going to focus on this area only and accept that we might get some defects on these other ones but they're a lower risk factor or whatever so and then if there's you know, um if there's like 10 steps in making something you put the camera at each step or only at the end or you know critical steps so again there's there's no one answer to that so sometimes we put a camera every single step and that way ensures that every step that you take in that process you're not adding value to a product that's already wrong so if it's you found a defect early on in the process you stop it there address it fix it before it goes on to the next process so you're not making the problem worse whereas some processes it doesn't make sense to do that so you get the final assembly and you check in multiple places all at the same time or in a sequence of checks to make sure that all the parts are there and then quarantine or reject the ones that that aren't quite correct and in the vision itself do you look with visible light x-ray infrared you know etc i guess you can combine all those to sound yeah so the majority of the products we're using are visible light um or but we do do infrared ultraviolet which are the two ends of the the spectrum where the light starts to to go in invisible generally we don't go to to x-ray um, there are some specialist companies that, that do go to those technologies there are some some other allied technologies where um similar sort of images get gener generated with other other techniques but the majority of what we do is is with visible light um, and that can be color so we use a white light we generate a color image as you sort of expect really but sometimes we don't need the color information if we're just checking a dimension on a screw or a bolt we don't need to know what color of silver that bolt is so we have a light behind it we have a camera in front of it we only need a black and white image that's all the information we need so that simplifies the data makes the inspection simpler faster more robust so we don't complicate it by adding color into it the same as we can also generate 3d images if you're looking to work out the volume of something so is this loaf of bread the right size is this you know how do i chop this 
bit of cheese up into slices of the right uh, so each one's the same weight or a particular weight um, and then you can generate 3d information from a camera to get height width depth volume and find features in in 3d so you can even use that that sort of technique to generate and data the robots up so they can accurately pick up a component from a particular place regardless of where it it's, it's shown in front of the robot so you can automate handling as well i was going to joke with you and say see it's a lot more complicated than just saying is it a cat <laughs> well in some in some respects actually is it just a cat is one of the hardest things to 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 check because how do you f- define a cat well, what color is a cat could be all sorts of different color how big is it is it you know is it moving is it still is it sitting is it standing so many different parameters to try and define what a cat is is a cat a tiger is it a domestic cat where do you draw the line um so in some respects that aspect of it is is quite difficult and often quite a a different technology which we'll maybe talk about in a minute Uh, whereas often the industrial we are looking for a specific object with defined characteristics and that allows you to set you know, very known parameters and known limits on those items to ensure their consistency. But as we were saying, I could see why it's so much more complicated than what I first thought. I yeah. appreciate it more now. It's, it's one of these things where as consumer technology is advancing so fast, we're now really used to having a, a phone in our pocket, which has an amazing camera on it that can detect faces, remove movement from from videos or stop the, the the camera looking like it's shaking it can adjust for brightness take images in dark conditions you upload it to one of the big cloud providers and they'll tell you whether there's a cat or a dog or a person in there you start tagging photos it starts to recognize that's ian that's richard that's you know and this is starting to become normal but this is a very different technology and a different different things drive that technology to what we're using and we're starting to see this become more and more of a um an expectation gap in our industry where we're saying we've got these very robust reliable tools to 100 percent check your product at 10 parts per second whizzing down this production line but we can't tell whether it's a cat or a dog (laughs) with that technology and people are uh, you know almost expect that oh why can't we have a 50 megapixel camera you know i've got one of those at home it only cost me not not very much money to have have that or my cameras well it's not phone. just the cameras the software the interpretation which is the big deal isn't it? yeah and a lot of that that we're getting used to as consumers is based on uploading uploading the data to the the cloud in some way and some supercomputer or series of computers in the background is doing that classification, working out cat, dog, human, doing some of that correction. Or, you know, some of it is done on device, but it's it's quite specific to that particular task. And there's no there's no particular quality requirement on it. If your phone processes that photo and to enhance your face and you don't like the look of it, you delete it and take another one. We don't have that luxury in in automated inspection because you need to check every single product the same time the same way and guarantee a result every time to ensure that you've got a consistent reliable 
validated or validatable process that you can rely on to get the, the product to the customer correctly. Well, I'm also time. hearing a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of trade-offs. You know, again, I'd love a, if I was making something, I'd love a system with cameras that look at it four different ways at every step of the process, but, you know, there's trade-offs to speed, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What's really useful to know, what's not. So Yeah, and one of the big trade-offs that we see um, is that, that often the projects we're working on, we're, we're looking at, you know, com- this com- company is making this particular product and they're making, you know, that might be a dedicated production line that's going to make that product for the next 10 years. They only really need one production line because they only need a million units a year. And that's a fairly consistent demand. They might make a second one, but that might come in two or three years time. So we solve a problem to inspect that customer's product, but it's completely different to the ones we did last month, the month before, the month before that. So we're deploying standard or standardized um, systems to try and address that. We don't have the luxury of a Google or an Amazon or something getting all this data from millions of users, uploading it all, training a big AI to... are Are you keeping the data though? I mean, if you... You know, I would think that you should. You know, if you uh, have a, an algorithm that, I don't know, it's really good at figuring out complex shapes or one that's more better with, I don't know, black objects or shiny objects. I mean, I would think that you can selectively layer in all those machine vision components and make your system smarter and smarter because you know, you're getting millions of data points if you capture your data and, you know, don't reveal it uh, as, you know, anonymize it somehow. Uh, yes, technically that's that's possible. It's it doesn't tend to happen. Um, I guess because the design cycle and deployment cycle of these systems is is to a deadline, to a defined point, and once it gets to the point where we've met the criteria, then generally that's it. You know, customers ask us to inspect their product to this quality criteria, and so long as we can reliably do that, and it continues to do that. That's their their um, their desire, their requirement um, met. What they should be doing, and what you know, is recording that data, using that data to learn about their process, and then to feed that back into their process to say, well, when we see the camera finding this type of problem or rejecting in this way, that that's because something further up the production line has happened. Well, why don't you bake in a, um, I mean, why don't you have a maintenance contract for your system? And then part of that is they have to allow you to collect the data. You know, they can't use it in a way that displays whose widget it is that you're looking at. But if you did that, that would give you a good excuse to go back in there and monitor them <laughs> and like improve your systems and get trillions of data points, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, some customers we we have do, do go down that route are happy for that. Um, and some don't don't particularly value that data so long as their product isn't going out wrong that's all they care about if they're not getting fines from their customer or dissatisfied phone calls then that's the the limit of what they care if they're making a few more scrap products depends how valuable the product is they might be happy with that and just accept it or rework it or throw it away and accept that whatever goes out that's good is that's all they need to know Whereas other customers do take that data either themselves in, internally or come back to us and say, you know, analyze this, give us the feedback, help us improve, help us continue to, to, to improve the process. And often what we find is that 
one of the great benefits and big limitations of the camera technologies is that they are totally objective and certainly with with or say standard vision techniques you're working to a set of rules so if the product um conforms to that rule to those set of rules and it passes it's accepted it moves on if it doesn't and it's rejected and kicked out what we often get with customers is say well we would accept that and then you've got this well it's different from what it was before but now the customer's saying it's acceptable so how do we do we throw it back and say to the customer well it's different in this way therefore it's not the same as before yeah. except that it's, it's it's a bad product now or what usually happens you know is the customer says adjust your system to 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 now accept this variation which we've perhaps never seen before well i mean you know what's cool is um if if i'm uh, assembling something and i'm getting parts from suppliers i mean you can vet my suppliers like you know we know that this whatever circuit board we get from so-and-so has worked in the past but we want to use your machine vision thing to see if uh, that changes. All of a sudden, the parts we're getting from them are now off, you know, a millimeter in this direction or something. I mean, you could also do that. You could help with like supply chain issues too, you know, like. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And sometimes, sometimes that's done at the end of the process by checking what's coming in is right, and then they can throw it back to that supplier and say what you've supplied us is wrong. And other times, they the companies will push that out to the suppliers and say in order for you to supply us you need to guarantee us that these products are being automatically checked and validated so we make sure that they are are coming in right and we don't have to check them when they arrive at, at our factory do you find that um in some cases your system's so good it finds issues that the the manufacturer never even thought of or they're like huh, that's weird Ab- absolutely and that comes in two two flavors really one that i've just mentioned is where the product has varied but to the customer it's acceptable variation it might be a different slightly different variation of the color it's still about the right color but it's changed enough that it's outside the parameters that the camera has been set to detect and then on the other hand um we had a, a one particular customer um and they they made products in a big tray there was 900 products in a tray and the tray is only say a foot square 900 of these really tiny little products sitting in pockets on this tray and we put a vision system on there and they kept ringing us up saying it's rejecting every single product on a tray and we've shown it to our our operators who used to do this inspection and they can't see anything wrong with it come in and fix your fix your camera system and this went on occasionally for for a number of months and we we Reran, rechecked the system, validated it on some known good products and some known failure products, checked that it f- correctly found them, not a problem. In the end, we worked out that if we put one of the products from the bad tray and we introduced it to a, a known good tray, then the operators would pick up that one bad product every single time. And the reason the vision was rejecting the whole tray of all 900 products, every single one, was that they were all wrong. But when you showed it to a human, they were saying, these are all the same. I can't see any that are different. So therefore, I think they're all OK. I'm expecting the majority to be correct. And they're all the same. Oh, okay. So oh. they're all correct and putting them to one side. But if you took one from that tray that the vision had rejected and put it into an otherwise good one, 
every single one of the humans would go, oh, there's the bad one. Oh, that, that's, that's that one. But you put it into a tray where they're all the same and they're all this uniformly bad. They couldn't, the, 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 the human mind just said, well, nothing's different. It's fine then. So that was a real, a real eye-opener for them. They, you know, it was great for us and great for the for the, the sort of customer champions that were looking after this machine um, to say, actually, this inspection is working really, really well and it's doing this. And if we hadn't have had this, all of well, these products would have gone through and, and got to the customer. You know, what's interesting too is not only can you see if something's good or bad, but you could probably see error propagation. If an error magnifies over time, you know, through a lot, or if a yeah. certain percentage of a lot is bad, or if the beginning is bad, then the middle is fine, or just the end is bad. I mean, there's a lot more. I don't know. I'm just getting interested in it as I talk to you. There's just a lot of yeah. nuance and variation you could find out and figure out. There is, and this is a big driver for, for you may have heard the phrase industrial industry 4.0, um, a sort of idea that in manufacturing all the technologies that are involved can communicate with each other they can share data they can all record data and centralize that so that these exactly as you say can we see a trend with this particular so the camera system is saying this but maybe a motor or a, a temperature sensor is saying this and you've got these all these different data points can you put them together join the dots and gain some insight into your process by seeing yeah this thing's happening as the temperature starts to rise the camera rejects start to go up okay let's control the temperature then we make better products it's like this restaurant i go to and on the weekends their their food's not nearly as good and i know it's the cook but they're like no 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 it's not that and i'm like please it is my my you know food eating vision tells me yeah Yeah. well that's really cool so um what kind of companies do you guys tend to work with and who are you looking to attract in the future and now? So we, we, we focus on, on, a, on this say, niche of machine vision. So often our direct customers are the, the type of companies that are building automation machines, production manufacturing machines. So they're putting together robots and conveyor belts and handling systems and you know, all, all sorts of different mechanical and electric electrical electronic components together to take maybe raw material or subcomponents and turn them into the the end product so there tend to be the uh, our our customer base vision is something that gets used um increasingly frequently but is seen is still seen as a bit of a specialist area so a lot of those companies don't have in-house skill and look to to outsource that to companies like ours um, occasionally we have a direct relationship with with the the actual end users the manufacturers so your car maker who's actually producing the end products and they want to 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 deal directly with us um, so those are the sort of people we we tend to work with and then on the other side we've got quite a big global supply chain of companies that make the equipment that we're often putting together choosing the right components from the right manufacturer to create a, a really good system so there are a number of industrial camera manufacturers, companies that make precision lenses for the cameras. Um, we do almost everything with LED lighting, um, which makes allows us to illuminate our object and the scene we're trying to, to work with really consistently, really evenly, and often very brightly as well. And with the LED technology control that, we can turn it on and off with the inspection if we want to, 
to flash that light for just a tiny fraction of a second the camera needs. We can do that to make it super bright, but not overwhelming to the environment. Um, so yeah, we've got a whole whole network of suppliers who produce really high quality components that can figure together and really work. So what's what's the future of your work look like in the next few years? What kind of innovations are coming? So one of the big ones, and we sort of already skirted around this really, is is deep learning. Is, is I would say it's a, a narrow area of AI. So we're looking at deploying deep learning systems now where it's focused on industrial inspection so it's not so good at your dog and your cat but if you're looking to find scratches on a medical screw you can train the deep learning to find defects where there's apparently very little contrast very uneven there's variations in the product there's um, you know things that you can't easily define by rules um, which then takes it away from from the stuff that we'd normally do with the standard camera technologies and this deep learning um, starts to really be very, very powerful. It's a slightly different mindset, um, a different way of working. And often because it's an industrial process and we need to guarantee the speed and accuracy that we're working at, we can't rely on taking an image of the camera, uploading it to the cloud, letting the processing happen in the cloud, decide whether it's good or bad, and then send the result back because there's a pretty good chance that your internet connection is not good enough to do that with uh, a small enough latency uh, to get you the result back by the time your widget has got to the point where you've got to accept it or reject it on the production. So a lot of this deep learning is being done locally on a high-spec computer, and even now to the point where one of our uh, major suppliers, an American company called Cognex Corporation, uh, have just released a product where this deep learning can now be run on what we'd say is embedded hardware so not a big industrial windows computer but a small footprint device um, that runs its own um, operating system purely to do machine vision inspection and that now can run the deep learning algorithm and do the detection do the, the this deep learning detection at high speed locally on the production line um, and it's in a package that's easy for us to deploy, robust um, in the industrial environment, and and could be a real a real game changer, I think, for for the industry. Okay, well, very good, Ian. So, what's what's the best way to contact you and find out more? So, if you have a look on on our website, which is fishersmith.co.uk, then you'll find contact us forms. You'll find our uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, profiles on there and it's fairly easy to find me and connect that way very good Ian. i think it's really cool what you're doing i uh, i i see your vision you know pun intended and uh, <laughs> i think it's great stuff so i appreciate you coming on the podcast oh, thank you for having me richard you've been listening to the finding genius podcast with richard jacobs if you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.